The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, in our previous episode of the Paracast, we had a fascinating, fascinating discussion of pop culture. And we've got good reaction to that because I think a lot of people who follow into UFOs, paranormal, are also interested in sci-fi and in horror movies and things like that. Well, today, we've got someone named Aaron Deese, so we're introducing the PowerCast listeners, and he's into what he calls the Texas Dogman Triangle. I'm going to ask him how he got in that. But before we go into his background and everything, what's the difference between a dogman and a werewolf? That's a really good question, Gene, uh, and that is dependent upon who you ask you know if you go back to some of the earliest werewolf lore that we can trace back to the european middle ages these were human beings who had the ability to shapeshift after making a pact with the devil or practicing some kind of witchcraft if we come to kind of the mid-modern century you know talking about pop culture like you mentioned a moment ago we're talking about you know i transform under a full moon because i got bit but other than that i'm probably a normal person if we're talking about a topic of cryptozoological inquiry which is you know kind of where i spend my time we're looking at either an unclassified animal of some sort maybe a mutant maybe a series of one-offs you know something to that effect or again depending who you ask we may be talking about some kind of a spectral maybe interdimensional being some kind of a ghost or a primordial guardian of earth i'm sure we'll get into that as we go it varies it depends who you ask in all the world what got you interested in chasing after shape-shifting kind of things my interest in like cryptozoology and paranormal research started when I was really young. I got interested in the uh, the Mothman prophecies by John Keel. Love the movie with the screenplay adapted by Richard Haddam. Um, actually met him recently. Very very nice guy. I loved that movie, and it really sparked my my interest in the fact that oh, the world is really weird and strange, and we haven't figured out everything that's out there yet. And that takes you into UFOs and into Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, things like that. Um, then a few years ago, I kind of came back to it. We were dealing with a loss in the family and I was needing some kind of a distraction, some kind of an escape. And that brought me to Small Town Monsters documentaries. They're the production company that's publishing the book. It kind of just became my full-time hobby. And then my wife, Sarah, and I started a podcast talking about you know the paranormal and cryptozoology. And one of the stories we looked at centered around 
three sightings of werewolf-like creatures in the central Texas area, very close to where we lived at the time. And the first story we looked at was actually relayed to us by a family member, by someone we knew who had no interest in this stuff, didn't know anything about dogmen or real werewolves prior to you know sitting down with me and sharing this story. And so from there, it kind of just became a regular topic of research for me. And before long, I had enough to fill a book. How far back can we trace this kind of werewolf, shape-shifting, dogman lore? We can honestly go as far back as most of what we know about recorded history. There are mentions of half-human, half-canine creatures in Mesopotamian folklore. You have Arudamu, the gruesome hound. You know, Some people have probably heard the name Pazuzu. Some early incarnations of Pazuzu are depicted as a humanoid creature with a dog-like head. Uh, we have King Lycan of Greek mythology, who was transformed into a wolf by Zeus as you know punishment for committing an act of cannibalism. We have stories about upright walking wolves and shape-shifting humanoids going back as far as we could go, really. And that's not accounting for, again, the European mythology we mentioned a moment ago, Native American mythology and folklore. Really, anywhere you go on the planet where wolves are or were once native, we have mythology about upright walking wolves or shape-shifting humanoids. So it's interesting. It's interesting. It's been with us for a very, very long time. Now, when you look at the movies about werewolves and things like True Blood, they are basically changing to wolves. They look like a wolf. In things like The Wolfman, the famous movie with Lon Chaney Jr., not the new one, which I thought was rather bad, the original one with Claude Rains, Lon Chaney Jr., and a short appearance by Bela Lugosi when his career was on the downturn. And there he's made up to look like an upright wolf. The face is terrific. They've got his feet in such a way that he walks like a wolf or a dog. They really put a lot of attention to detail. I thought that was one of the best horror movies made in the 1940s era. But there you had the hybrid. You had the half-human, half-wolf. What do we see mostly here? Obviously, if someone looks like a wolf, you would know if they were human, yeah, and the majority of the stories we're looking at, at least in Texas, you know, I've done research into dogman phenomena outside of the state, but, you know, where I specialize is in Texas. And here, the primary description that we're seeing are upright walking canine figures exceeding six feet in height, sometimes as tall as 11 or 12. We start talking to witnesses out near uh, Sam Houston National Forest. They're apparently massive out there. Um, pointed ears, very often described as having glowing eyes, usually yellow, but we also see uh, red from time to time. I've heard glowing white eyes. I've heard black. So the eyes are also a variety of colors. And they're usually described as being either very hairy or kind of lightly shaggy, sort of like what we see in some of the movie descriptions. And that's where, you know, the term werewolf, at least as I like to use it, comes from, is that's what these witnesses are using to describe what they're seeing. I saw a werewolf or something that looked like one. But then again, we do have a few stories that kind of fit more into that supernatural, maybe spiritual spectrum where they are described as changing shape. Or one in particular, the werewolf of Gregton, you know, it's described as being much like you said, a half-human, half-wolf-like, kind of having features of both, but still on the whole looking very much like a canine. So the majority, again, are just appear to be wolves or dogs walking on two legs, but then we do have a few that are a little more strange, a little, little harder to nail down. Now, in terms of shape-shifting, which is kind of what we're getting into here, 
have you looked at the history of such things, such phenomena where people can change into other creatures or other creatures can change into humans or something else? Yeah, that, that is something that's come across my radar quite a bit. You know, when you're talking about the werewolf or dogman phenomena, it's it's inevitable. Some of these stories, we hear about them starting off on four legs, looking very much like a normal dog or some kind of a wolf, and then standing up, sort of changing shape, and you know, then they're on two feet. If we look at the history of shapeshifters, that's another thing that, again, is, is so deeply tied into our folklore and our history, going back as far as we can possibly go. If we're talking about the Central Texas area, you know, Mesoamerican folklore was deeply ingrained here and still is, you know, for thousands and thousands of years. One example uh, the Aztecs and the Mayans talked about was the Nagual or the Jaguar men. And these were priests or acolytes, sometimes described as warriors, sometimes described as like, you know, the priests of Quetzalcoatl, the great feathered serpent. And they could change into a variety of forms, you know, birds, rats, uh, dogs or wolves, jaguars. So that's one example, you know, very closely adjacent to the central Texas area that's been around, as far as we're concerned, forever, forever. And that's part of what's so compelling about this is it's not just a string of recent sightings and a couple of folktales. It's something that we can find traces of just about everywhere. Long and short, before we go into case histories and other things, do you think there's a factual basis to any of this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm of the opinion, and this is just kind of a philosophy I apply to most areas of paranormal inquiry, that once we've had enough reports, once we've had enough consistencies from independent witnesses who do not know each other, um, in this case, you know, the dogman phenomenon is not super widely known if you compare it to UFOs or Bigfoot. So these are people who had never heard of dogman before they started telling their stories. If you look at enough of those cases, it makes more sense that, to me, this is my opinion, it makes more sense that something inexplicable is going on, something that we haven't identified scientifically, than it is that 35-odd people, which is about the number of cases I looked at in the book, saw a weird dog and mistook it for something else. So in my opinion, yes. I don't know what they are, but I do think they exist. Hey, we've got Aaron Deese and a topic on the agenda this week. Shapeshifters, werewolves, dogmen, things like that. No howling, please. My co-host is Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracow. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. 
Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000-800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into like an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together. Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I will not comment on Tim Swartz and his attempt to do a werewolf hell. I thought one of the best ones was done by Warren Zevon and the song Werewolves of London. That is a classic, yes. Oh, it is. And as I mentioned to you before we got started, I thought in putting the song together, he was kind of almost making it up as he went along. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, it does have kind of an improvised spoken word vibe to it. Not spoken word so much, but yeah, yeah. And it works. Because it was kind of inconsistencies in the lyrics. And I thought, that's part of it. I'll give you one example there where he says, I saw Lon Chaney walking with the queen. 
doing the werewolves of London. And then he says, I saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen. Now, to me, it sounds like he was basically just making up the lyrics as he went along, which is how it got that way. Because otherwise, as those of us who even care about horror movies, it was Lon Chaney Jr. who played the Wolfman. Now, the original Lon Chaney, his father, was an expert at putting elaborate makeup on to play grotesque characters or monsters. But his son, Creighton, told Chaney, who became Lon Chaney Jr., basically had this elaborate makeup that made him, I would say, half man, half wolf, with the face and the teeth and the feet. I thought it was beautifully done. I don't think any werewolf character since then has done quite as well. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mostly tend to agree with you. I'm I'm a big fan of the werewolf in American Werewolf in London just because, again, talking about eyewitness descriptions, that's actually pretty close <laughs> to what we see with a lot of modern Dogman encounters. But as far as classical depictions go, standard setting, you know, you really can't you really can't top Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. Well, also he was a terrific actor and a very tortured role because he basically tells you and makes you understand he didn't want to be a monster. But Bella Lugosi bit him. He was a werewolf. He was in there for like three seconds in the film. He bit him, turned him into a wolf when the moon was full and the autumn moon was bright and all that stuff. And he just kept playing that role even through the sequels, which were not always that good. In Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, he was there too. There, I don't think he was quite as sympathetic. Yeah, a little more comical in that depiction, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I like the part where, at the end of the film, they're in a rowboat, Abbott and Costello. And they say something about, well, we don't have to worry about monsters anymore because Dracula... And the Wolfman and the Frankenstein monster are gone. By the way, this was one of the rare appearances of Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Probably only the second one after the original. And he did beautifully. It's sad about his career. But anyway, then you hear this laugh. And they can't see anyone. And he says, hi, I'm the Invisible Man. And that was the voice of Vincent Price. As comedy films go, I thought that was one of the best. Yeah, it's a, it's a seminal classic for sure. It's essential viewing, really. <laughs> anyway, let us continue here. Talking about dogmen, wolfmen, shapeshifters. How did you go about to collect the cases for your book? Yeah, so it was kind of a variety. I spent a lot of time trolling through historical archives like, you know, JSTOR, um, the portal to Texas history, for example, looking for references to wolves or werewolves in Texas, because it wasn't just looking at, you know, sightings of upright canines. It was also looking at the history of the areas in which these things were being seen. You know, what's the cultural background? Who settled here? What kind of stories might they have brought with them? Were there wolves in this area previously? And the answer is almost always yes. We had wolves all over Texas. And then also, you know, a lot of online research because that's where people are sharing their stories now. 
Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Reddit just in general, but there were a few cases on there that I found you know, pretty compelling. They did make their way into the book. And then Heather Mosier over at Small Town Monsters during the production process for the documentary actually tracks some of these people down, you know, whose stories we had just read online. So we were able to interview them and they're actually in the documentary. Um, and then also looking at just, you know, older books, older publications that were out there. Uh, one example I mentioned a little while ago is the Gregton werewolf. And the only place that was ever talked about was in an article in fate magazine, uh, in March of 1960, couldn't find the text of the article anywhere online. So I did some digging, got a hold of a back issue, and you know, lo and behold, there's the story. So it really was a variety of different sources, a lot of online research, and then digging through books and historical archives, and then a lot of interviews. Man, I I haven't sat down and counted them all up, but I think I conducted about 35 interviews for this book on the whole, between witnesses, experts, and and you know, consultants. So a lot of interviewing. That was probably the bulk of the actual research was just talking to people. Did you ever find an instance where you think somebody's just putting you on? You know, every witness I've talked to, I, I believe, believes what they are saying. There may be cases, you know, in the book or in my periphery that that's not the case. But I, my day job, which I just left, you know, I was at for about 10 years and it primarily consisted of talking to people. Um, so, and you get a sense when you do that day in and day out of who believes what they're saying and who's just making up a story. And the people I spoke to believe what they're saying. Um, now, if you zoom the lens out and take in every story about dogmen that's out there, there's some pretty wild stuff that even as a believer in this phenomena, I don't, I don't subscribe to and I can't get behind. But I was fortunate in that I didn't run into anyone who did not strike me as credible. Yeah. Do you think they're making it up in terms of believing something that wasn't there? I don't, honestly. I think these people actually saw something physically in front of them. Now, there is conjecture that maybe these things, like we said earlier, are spectral or spiritual in nature. There's the idea of the tulpa or the thought form, you know, something that we see and that we project out into the world. So there is the idea that maybe some of these sightings, possibly all of these sightings, could be the result of that. But even if that's the case, whether it's something that they're imagining or something that's spiritually being projected into the world, you have to ask why all these people who have never met each other are seeing the same thing. You know, kind of the kind of the argument you can apply to some UFO cases. Why are all these people seeing triangles, for example, if if they're just imagining it? Or why are all these people seeing Bigfoot if they're just imagining it? So you know, in my mind, there may be some cases where people are imagining things or seeing things, but why are they all seeing the same thing? So. Well, certainly the consistency is always an important argument in favor of something, particularly something weird in this particular case. We have Aaron Deese exploring dogmen and other strange creatures with Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Remember what you were doing four years ago at this very moment and how much everything changed a year later. We don't live just anywhere. 
We live on a crowded island with daily news headlines that make our ancestors spin in their graves. And we all know that tougher days lie ahead. So the real question is, do you have a proper supply of emergency food on hand? If not, now's the time to get some, while things are still relatively calm. The company most Americans choose is My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to get yourself a one-week supply of emergency food. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious meals you'll love. No skimping with these meals, as you'll get 2,000 calories per day. You'll like the special $30 savings available this week only on this one-week supply of emergency food, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com USA News Update. More than 80 million Americans are sweltering under heat alerts and advisories from Miami to Palm Springs, while one of the world's hottest spots, Death Valley, California, is flirting with 130 degrees this weekend. Police in Georgia were searching for a man they say is responsible for four shooting deaths in an Atlanta suburb on Saturday. Police identified the man as Andre Longmore, and a $10,000 reward is being offered. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is doing well after being rushed to a hospital with dehydration on Saturday. The Prime Minister's office says initial results came back normal and he's undergoing additional routine tests. The Biden administration is forgiving $39 billion in student debt for over 800,000 borrowers. The Education Department says it will notify eligible borrowers in the coming days. Jerry Barmash, USA News. My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack, lost 35% of my heart to damaged tissue, and was supposed to spend the rest of my life on disability. What did I do? I took Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, dogmen on the agenda. Aaron, in assembling these particular cases, did people contact you? How did you acquire the information? Yeah, it's kind of a variety. So it started with the sighting I mentioned earlier, which just came up in casual conversation with a family member, combined with cross-referencing that sighting with the database on the North American Dogman Research Project. And then from there, people did start coming to me. I had fellow researchers like uh, Jody Cook, again, North American Dogman Research Project, Jesse and Joe Doyle over at Hellbent Holler, who are, are deeply invested in this stuff, you know, and do this kind of research all the time. And when you spend time in this world, inevitably, you end up running into people who have seen things. So there were several cases where someone was sent my way by a fellow researcher, or someone who I, you know, already knew. And then there were cases is where it just came up in conversation or who you know if you're researching this topic you should talk to my mother-in-law she saw this thing back in the 50s that was a story i just got the other day actually that i found out about too late to get it into the book so it really is kind of a variety again there, there's people that come to you there's people that are brought to you by others and then there's stories that are already out there that just haven't really found a home yet you know maybe they're on reddit somewhere maybe it's in the comment thread of a story about a different werewolf so i wonder how people regard that in general. I mean, on the PowerCast, we hear lots of unusual stories. We try to make sure we get ones with a factual basis and try to understand it. But in general, if someone says to a family member or friend, I saw something last night that looked like half wolf or half dog and half man, <laughs> you'd think they get laughed out of the room. How do people react to that? Sadly, that's very often the case. You know, if we look at the history of any paranormal phenomena, witnesses are very often derided. You know, sometimes they even are laughed out of town. We have many, many examples of that. So some of the witnesses I've talked to have said, you know, I've really never shared this with anyone because I didn't think they were going to believe me. The individual I spoke with a few days ago, you know, she's in her 70s and her daughter who set up the meeting said, you know, she's never told this story to anyone outside of our family because she was afraid of being ridiculed. So you run into that a lot where especially with something as strange as this because we've kind of reached a point where if you saw a ufo that's not too out of scope like even the government's talking about that okay you saw a ufo maybe not so much with bigfoot sightings but that's a little easier for people to swallow you know you saw oh maybe you saw bigfoot okay several thousand other people have as well that's great with this it's such a strange thing because it's so deeply ingrained in our pop culture. We've already talked about a few examples of books or movies or television programs where werewolves are just part of the narrative, kind of like zombies have become in the last few years. They're just, they're just everywhere. They're all over the place. When you're trying to explain to somebody that you, in front of you, physically, in reality, saw something that, as far as most people are concerned, only exists in pop culture, that's difficult. That's difficult to do whether you believe in the paranormal or not, that's exceedingly difficult. Can you give us uh, some details about that recent case that you just came across where somebody had an experience in the 50s? Yeah, I can, I'm can. i still in the process of speaking with her, but I can kind of give you a, a breakdown. It, it took place in central San Antonio uh, back in the 50s. The streets 
were labeled differently back then. The block numbers were different. So one of the things I'm still trying to figure out is where exactly this took place. But she saw it sitting on a roof adjacent to the home she lived in at the time. And she said it appeared to be feeding on something. And the way she described it physically is point for point what we see with so many of these other modern encounters. The glowing eyes, the pointed ears, the upright posture, long claws, thick fur. And again, that's central San Antonio. Now, back in the 50s, the city wasn't nearly as developed. Um, the part of town where she was living would have been, you know, a few houses, maybe some some main boulevards, but all the highways and all the sky rises and stuff, none of that was around at that time. So if you look at the area, it was also typical of where we see these sightings, you know, places where there's a creek present, where there's a lot of woods, where there's people living, but maybe not a huge, huge population center yet. So very interesting. And again, I'm still working on that one. I'm still communicating with her and and doing empirical research to try to nail down details but yeah yeah these stories are still coming out have you personally ever seen anything weird i have not well I've, i've seen some strange lights in the sky i have been to some places that i am convinced are haunted I've had some odd encounters where, again, you're in a weird place and a weird thing happens, and you're like, how could that possibly be a coincidence? I've never seen Sasquatch. I've never seen Dogman. Never been abducted. I've never had, you know, one of those primary hallmark, write about it, paranormal experiences. And at this point, if I did, I don't know if I would tell anyone because I don't know if they would believe me. You know, oh, of course the Dogman guy saw a werewolf. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm more of a spectator and an enthusiast than an, an experiencer. Yeah. So the uh, encounter you just told about the, the, uh, the woman in the 50s, you said that uh, it looked to her that it was something on a roof feeding on something. Now, tell us about... The first experience that you discover the whole phenomenon of Dogman that you said, I think it was a friend of the family or a relative? Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is one of those cases where written, written – oh, goodness, excuse me. This is one of those cases where witness credibility really comes into play because I've known this guy for years. Uh going on 20 years now. He's real estate professional in two different states, military veteran, you know, business owner, uh, father of two very well adjusted, intelligent, smart kids, you know, not a guy who's going out with a tinfoil hat and a pair of binoculars looking for werewolves, like just not, you know, when you think about the, the pop culture cliche of someone who experiences or believes in the paranormal, this guy is not what comes to mind, you know? So hearing him tell me this story with a straight face. I mean, just dead eye contact. Yeah, I I saw this thing that looked like a wolf on two legs. Um, It blew my mind. But the way he describes it is he was driving from Colorado to Austin, actually to visit us, to visit my wife and I, because we lived in North Austin at the time. And they were traveling past uh, Lampasas. And around Lampasas, like many parts of Texas, you have a lot of wooded areas, you have a lot of creeks and, and rivers and things like that. And as they're coming around this bend, it's very late at night, his headlights catch this this form of a wolf-like thing on two legs crouched over the side of the road and actually in a beat really similar to the story of the one on the roof you know it's holding something in its front paws or in its hands and it appears to be feeding on it and he got a good enough look at it that he could see blood on the nuzzle he could see you know the claws were long they were sharp he said the eyes glowed black or he described them as death black eyes. And the physical description is very similar to what we see with a lot of these others, the pointed ears, you know, the kind of muscular frame. Um, And again, hearing this story from somebody I've known for so long, I'm just like, okay, well, he saw something. He definitely saw something. Yeah. 
It wouldn't be a case, and I don't want to be insulting, to someone I don't know, of a friend knowing of your interests but wanting to get in on the action. No, definitely not. And I'm glad you asked that question. That's a very, very important question because as a, as a side note, now that the book is out, now that the documentary is out, any story I do get, I have to filter through that screen of, okay, now that this person knows about this, you know, what, what's the chance of someone wanting to get on the bandwagon? But in this case, I hadn't written the book yet. I hadn't talked about writing a book yet. We hadn't even produced a podcast on it. We were just having a casual conversation. And I said, you know, I just saw this. Uh, I just watched this documentary on the Beast of Bray Road. Have you ever heard of that? He's like, no, what's that? And the Beast of Bray Road, for anybody who's not familiar, was, you know, the wolfman-like creature in Wisconsin that was very well documented by Linda Godfrey. Um and I showed him an artist's depiction of it, and he goes, yeah, I saw something kind of like that once. And that leads us into the actual story. So if this person was deciding to jump on a bandwagon, it was a very, very small bandwagon. <laughs> and I was the only one in the room who was on it at the time. And that's kind of how it went, speaking with other witnesses as well. You know, my first contact with a lot of these people was, hey, my name is Aaron Deese. I'm writing a book about this. I understand you had a sighting. Would you be interested in talking to me? Um, and so these people didn't know, you know, that this was something that was going to be getting a little more mainstream attention. So it's a great question, though. Have you ever read the books by the late Linda Godfrey on Dogman and such? Yes. Yeah. Linda is a legend. She can never be replaced. You and I would not be having this conversation right now without, you know, her contributions to the field. By the she's way, she's been on the Paracast a few times. And okay. we were sad to lose her. She was a really nice yeah. woman. Aaron Deese joining us. I'm Gene. He's Tim. You're in The Podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, Com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your Longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. I need to do my taxes. Are there any self-help options online? Doing taxes yourself? IRS.gov has many self-service tax tools, and they're all just a click away. Prepare and file your taxes online using FreeFile. Use our calculator to estimate your tax withholding. Order a tax transcript. Apply for an employer identification number. Check your refund status, too. IRS.gov, your 24-7 federal tax resource. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Oh, I hate to say it this way. We're having a howling good time on the Paracast. And I'm hearing everybody say, ouch. He doesn't want to do puns. He's doing his puns again. It's a show we can really sink our teeth into. Let's not get outside ourselves here because that particular remark bites. If you make enough puns, people might start asking, who let the dogs out? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah, wolf. (laughs) What is the craziest dogman story you ever heard? So the absolute wildest one, and I actually had a moment where I had to sit and decide, okay, am I, am I going to put this in the book? Um, there's a gentleman, and I've spoken about this before because it just, it just blows my mind every time I talk about it. There's a gentleman in the Dallas-Fort Worth area named John. 
And he was one of the witnesses who was put in touch with me by Jesse and Joe Doyle over at Hellbent Holler. And he has been encountering these things on his property since fall of 2021. So when I talked to him, it was early summer of 2022. So he was still experiencing activity at that time. And he's counted no fewer than five of these things on his property. He's taken shots at them in one story, the one I really had to sit down and go, okay, no one's going to believe this, but it's going in the book anyway. He put seven rounds into one uh, with 5.56 ammunition. I'm not a gun guy. I don't know a whole lot about guns, but I understand those are those are very, very efficient rounds, and they are deadly at 200 yards. He put seven rounds into one of these things at point blank, and it got up and kept running. I've told that story in interviews before, and I've actually had people say there's no way that's real. And I just shrug and go, well... That's what he relayed to me. That's what he says he experienced. And, you know, as a writer, it's not my job to decide who's credible, even if there is a moment where I have to stop and go, nobody's going to believe this. <laughs> you know, people are going to think I'm making this up. But that's probably the craziest one is, you know, someone who sees these things regularly has taken shots at them and still hasn't managed to put them down. It's pretty, pretty wild. Every time I hear people talk about guns, and I know you're in Texas, which is what, gun central? In the United States. When you're born in Texas and you leave the hospital, they give you um, a gun as a part of your sent home kit. No, we, I'm joking. We do have a lot of guns down here. Yeah, that's very, that's very standard. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, as our listeners know. Not a lot of people have guns in New York. I mean, mostly you think police officers have guns, military, they have guns. I have been around real guns. I've also heard... Fake guns go off when they would do stage shows and such, and someone had to shoot somebody or just show it off. I have never physically touched a real gun. I mean, as a kid, I had cap guns and all this toy stuff. And I remember my late uncle bought me a holster in Mexico. And he said, this is a great holster for your cap guns. So the thing lasted about two days. Not very well built. But seriously speaking, never in my life have I touched a gun. Yeah, it's 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 a normal day, a normal day, a normal way of life for a lot of folks here in Texas. And that's another thing with these stories that's so compelling to me is a lot of these witnesses, the great majority of them report being unsettled, afraid, you know, not sleeping well, being scared to go out in the woods after they have an encounter with one of these these creatures. And these are people who as we joked a moment ago, are practically born with guns in their hands. These are Texas Hill Country people. They know what wildlife lives out here. They're used to being around it, and they don't scare easy. So when one of those people says, you know, I saw this thing, and this is what it looked like, and it scared the heck out of me, I don't know. That makes me stop and think. Yeah. Yeah, because you think in a situation like that, they pull out the gun. But I tend to think here, in general— that a gun owner, unless they've had military or law enforcement training, if they're, if they're put into a situation where they need that gun, it's going to be like trying to find your camera when a UFO is overhead. They're not going to do it. They're either going to be startled, afraid to do it. They're not going to actually take the gun out and try to defend themselves. 
Yeah, it's kind of like that. I have a background in martial arts and self-defense. I taught classes for a number of years, and you know, students would ask us, like, oh, what's the best thing I can carry for self-defense? Should I keep a pocket knife on me? And we're like, well, no, because you have to find the knife. You have to get it out. You have to open it up. You have to lock the safety. You know, there's too many steps involved. So a lot of times when we do hear stories about someone taking a shot at one of these, because, you know, the gentleman in Dallas is not the only one. It is someone with a military or a law enforcement background who's comfortable handling firearms, you know, who knows their way around one. Yeah. That's what I can understand. I think you keep the gun in the safe because you don't want your children to get a hold of it. And there's the robber in your home and he's pointing a gun at you, what do you do? And the question is, you can't do anything because the gun's in the safe or somewhere for safekeeping. Unless you sleep with it under your pillow, like they do in some of the movies. Anyway, we don't want to get in gun. In Texas. What did you say? Sorry. I said in Texas. <laughs> Let me ask you here. Did you restrict your dogman search just to Texas or have you done any searches in other states? For this project, yes. I was focused exclusively on Texas, um, you know, because, of course, that is the name of the book. But there, there is research outside of the state that played into it. Uh, one of the cases I talk about is the case of the Hexham Heads, which is another more in the spectral realm, you know, these two little boys in England find a couple of stone heads that conjure a werewolf. Fascinating story if you haven't heard it. So, And then some of the cases in Texas I looked at actually do have correlation to some kind of a stone carving or a stone figure being associated with the appearance of this being. So inevitably, you end up talking about cases like that that do take place outside of the state. Um, right now, my research is focused still on the Texas things. Like I said, I'm still getting reports and still having a lot of great conversations like this one with you guys. Um, but I'm expanding it, looking at this phenomenon in other areas, partially to draw a correlation and see, okay, what consistencies do we have in the Texas Triangle that tie to other dogman phenomena? And also just because I'm at this point, I'm hooked. I'm fascinated with this stuff. So, yeah. Dogman triangle. It's almost like Bermuda Triangle. You go into a place and all bets are off. Now, can you specify specifically the region we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be the first to admit that when I came up with the term, the Dogman Triangle, I was looking for a catchy title for our podcast. Um, <laughs> my wife and I have been producing the Hey Strangeness podcast for about two years, and I was really, this was back in the beginning, so I was like, I got to come up with a good title. I got to have something that sounds good. Um, and it just so happened that the three sightings we were initially looking at formed a triangle on the map of about 700 square miles. But then as I continued and kept looking into this stuff, we see this concentration of sightings in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then we see another deep concentration in the San Antonio area. And then going east, we see another deep concentration kind of centered around Houston. So in working with uh, Seth and Heather and the rest of the Small Town Monsters team, you know, we kind of looked at this as a whole and said, well, this triangle is not limited to just the Austin, Johnson City, Fredericksburg area, which is what we were looking at initially. Um, and if you're not familiar with Texas, it's a very big place that's kind of situated between Austin and San Antonio. So the Dogman Triangle as it exists today is uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston. And I think that helps for folks, again, who may not be familiar with Texas, because I think in general, we kind of know where those cities are, like we're familiar with them. We've heard of them. They're big cities. So I think it helps to frame where this phenomenon is taking place 
where people are seeing these things. But it's not limited to those areas. We have stuff more in the central area in uh, Meridian, which is in Bosk County, I believe. We've got the Gregton werewolf, which is getting closer to Louisiana. You know, we have as recently as last year, the Amarillo Dogman, which is that weird picture that was captured on the uh, stationary cameras at a zoo. Fun case if you haven't read into it. We do have activity in other parts of the state, but at least based on what we know right now, it seems to be focused in this triangular pattern, kind of dead center between these three major cities. Now, as far as visiting Texas, I've been to Dallas-Fort Worth. I have a niece who lives in Houston, but I haven't talked to her in a number of years, unfortunately, and maybe I can ask her if she's heard of anything. I don't think anybody in my family, you know, my immediate family, my brother's kids, my parents no longer with us, had any interest in any of these subjects. They might, but they never asked me about it, although they know what I'm doing. So that's kind of weird. Nobody in my immediate family chased the paranormal. Some might say they are paranormal creatures, like I think my late brother might have been a paranormal creature, but that's something that would make no sense to anybody, probably not to me. Aaron, Gene, Tim, you're in. Yo, the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, 
Here's Gene Steinberg. So we get an accent from New York there, and we're talking to a guy from Texas named Aaron Deese, exploring dogmen. Now, quite often when a particular region has a lot of strange phenomena of one category, and we're talking about dogmen, werewolves, whatever here, do you find other things going on there, Bigfoot, UFOs, etc.? Yes, a hundred times yes. And there's actually the first couple chapters of the book I spend sort of trying to set the stage because my goal was to take the reader on this journey with me. Like, look, it's not just a collection of stories. This is why I'm convinced by this phenomena. And in order to do that, you have to kind of set the, the stage, set the background. And Texas is a deeply, deeply strange place, deeply paranormal place, depending how you, you want to put it. I could I could spend another two years, which is about how long you know this book took as far as research and everything, um, doing a write-up on UFOs in Texas. We could talk about ghosts. We could do just haunted hotels. I can name you three notoriously haunted hotels right off the top of my head that have been featured you know, on TV and major ghost hunting shows. Bigfoot sightings all over the map, all over the map. If you go to the BFRO website, they're just everywhere, everywhere. Uh, what else? What else? Latin American folklore? We mentioned a little while ago, if you want to get into La Llorona, La Lachuza, El Silbon, like there's there's so much here. And it was actually kind of difficult when I first started talking to Small Town Monsters, you know, about being on the STM publishing lineup to nail down a topic that I thought would make for the right book. And I think I pitched them five or six ideas. I, I sent Heather Mosier, who is the most patient editor anyone's ever had, I sent her this long rambling word document with all these bullet points and all these ideas. And the Dogman Triangle is the one that came out on top. But Texas is a very, very, very strange place. Yeah, absolutely. Strange place? How so? I mean, other than the politics, of course. Yeah, specifically with regard to, aside from the fact that we're born with guns in our hands, no, specifically just regard with regard to paranormal phenomena, folklore, and even just pieces of strange history, you know, things that don't fall into the paranormal, but are just odd. Like, for example, and this is one thing I was excited to talk about in the book. If you go out to Kerrville, there are some historical military installations there that date back to the Civil War, prior to the Civil War. And one of the things they tried to do out of Kerrville at one time was bring camels over to the central United States because it was theorized that they would do well in the American Southwest. It's very hot. It's very dry. I'm looking at the weather meter on my desktop as we're speaking right now, and it is 104 degrees outside. So so great environment for camels, and they actually did very well. They were going to expand the program, and then the Civil War happened, and you know all resources, all manpower had to go to that. So the program was abandoned. But they released these camels into the wild, and there's these stories floating around that for years people were seeing wild camels in Texas, in the American Southwest. And that's just one example of an odd piece of history down here, you know, that again is not paranormal, but is very strange. Of course, the Kennedy assassination took place here. And you could argue that that, that has become the most hotly debated conspiracy theory in American history. That's Dallas. So, and everything is haunted, man. You throw a rock and you're going to hit something that's haunted. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. So many ghosts. You know, let's visit a haunted house. Have you checked these out? What do you know about them? So we actually, my wife and I stayed in the Menger Hotel last month. 
you know, and that's ridiculously haunted. The hotel for the website states that they have 32 individual spirits on the property, and it sits right next door to the Alamo, which is also notoriously haunted. And even in just our brief little time there, you know, I'm not I'm not a hardcore ghost hunter. I don't have $20,000 worth of equipment behind me. But even just using simple audio recorders and motion capture cameras, we picked up a couple of strange things that were still kind of looking into and <laughs> vetting through some of our friends who are a little more experienced in that stuff. So, you know, you don't even have to spend a lot of time. We spent one night there and we had some odd experiences. So it doesn't even, doesn't even take a lot of time. That's been my takeaway so far. Interesting. Maybe that explains, for example, why when we watch these ghost hunting shows in 43 minutes, invariably something weird happens. Yeah, I think there's an element to that, you know, and, and then there's the other side of the coin where if we're talking about pop culture and mainstream media, you know, you you have to <laughs> tell a story. You have to get people <laughs> to watch the show. And how do you, without naming any specific examples, how do you get a TV show to run for 20 odd seasons? <laughs> you, you catch people's attention. But yeah, I think in some cases, you know, these places are just so deeply saturated with strange activity, paranormal activity, you know, pick your poison. It does at a certain point kind of become inevitable. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, why a lot of people who research cryptids, such as the Dogman, eventually end up thinking that a lot of these sightings have some kind of paranormal aspect to them. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And there's there's a lot of conjecture in the paranormal community that, and there has been for a long, long time. John Keel wrote about this in the Eighth Tower, that you know all of this stuff is the result of what John Keel referred to as the super spectrum, what some other people might refer to as the jinn or the fey, um, of something that all of this stuff is connected. All of this stuff is the result of the same thing. And they'll point to cases like Skinwalker Ranch, where you have a geographically small area, but where you have this mixed bag of paranormal activity that just keeps popping up again and again and again and again. So I think that plays into that idea. If, if all of it has a spectral link, maybe it's all connected, but you know, we could, we could go down that rabbit hole for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Now you, you mentioned the uh, skinwalker ranch and you, you, you told the, the, the weirdest story that you had ever run across about the guy who was uh, shooting the dogmans with a very high caliber uh, uh, rifle. And it reminds me of a story from skinwalker ranch of the original owners that uh, they were out one, one evening looking at the, uh, their calves when a very large wolf type of of creature actually approached them and appeared to be almost tame until it grabbed one of the calves by the snout and they ended up shooting it not harming it they actually blew some of its uh, uh hair off but it just kind of like turned around and then walked away after you know they fired a number of uh, not only handguns, revolvers, and uh, uh, rifle shots into it. You know, this this is something that we've heard before in other cases. And and again, we we're talking about how a lot of these witnesses may have been armed, but didn't even think about shooting at them. But the cases that we we have run across, Bigfoot included, where shots have been fired, it's almost just like you know these creatures is like, stop it, you're annoying me. <laughs> Yes, yes. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up 
because I do inevitably I make that comparison in the book. Um, but even going back further than Skinwalker Ranch, we have two old stories in Texas that are kind of along those same lines. Um, and I won't, you know, I'll, I'll be brief, but you have the converse werewolf, wherein one of these things is alleged to have set upon and killed a young man. And when his father and the townspeople discovered him, you know, they went off looking for him with their guns. They opened fire on this wolf creature. Um, and it, you know, took however many rounds and then just walked off on two legs. Didn't, didn't seem to care. And then we have the story of the Vider werewolf, which is, in my opinion, one of the best documented cryptid cases anywhere at any time. Um, because we have dates, we have times, we have the physical address, we have detailed coverage by an area newspaper, we have response by law enforcement, and law enforcement went on the record saying, yes, I saw this thing. Um, but there is a young man named Bobby Bussinger, who's about 12 years, 12, about 20 years old, um, just got married. He and his wife, Becky, were living in a house very close to a tree line, and they had been quote unquote hounded another pun for you <laughs> hounded by one of these things for a succession of nights um, okay finally, here we go um, again with the puns <laughs> it's inevitable it's inevitable um, we're gonna be hounded hounded by dog men <laughs> but finally bobby said enough is enough he took his 12 gauge shotgun outside that's how much detail we have we know what kind of firearm he used um and he shot this thing point blank range from according to the newspaper just a few feet away and it kept coming it shrugged it off and kept coming so we have the converse werewolf back in the 1800s we've got the vider werewolf in the mid-century and then you've got these modern reports you know like john out in dallas who's taking shots at him and they don't seem to Care. Let's break it here. More with Aaron and Tim and Jean. And by the way, they should have used a gun with a silver bullet. You're in the podcast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 
877-279-9422. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So I raised that kind of in jest at the end of the segment. Okay, if these creatures are immune to normal gunfire... Silver bullets. But isn't that a Hollywoodism? I think, I mean, it's a Hollywood thing, but I think it's a, it's adapted from old folklore. Because, again, you have associations with different metals and different materials as being supernaturally endowed. You know, like, I've mentioned the Fae a couple times, but they don't like iron. <laughs> you know, so, witches, warlocks, if you've entered a pact with the devil, maybe you don't like silver. So it is a Hollywood thing, but it's one of those things we can kind of trace, depending on what cultural background you're looking at. I'm interested in a little bit more uh, detail on the, um, you said it was the Vider uh, case, is that Vider, Texas? Yes, Vider, what, Texas. Yeah, what's, uh, what, what was going on with that? I mean, that, that, that sounds uh, uh, like a really interesting case. Yeah, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent about that a moment ago, but it's... Oh, I love it, tangents, go for yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we're here for, right? It's, it's documented so well, again, as far as dates and times and who was there and what they saw, law enforcement response, law enforcement confirming the story. It takes place 
right there at the edge of the border of Texas with Louisiana. And that's interesting tangentially because, of course, in Louisiana, we have the Rougarou, which is descended from French-Canadian and French folklore. So it's it takes place right there at the corner of the triangle, very close to the Houston area cluster. But then it's also very close to Louisiana, where you have this whole other category. Are these things the same thing? Are they connected somehow? I don't know. Maybe, probably, maybe not. But it's one of my favorite cases for a number of reasons, partially because it's so well-documented and then partially because it geographically falls into this very, very interesting place. What kind of sightings? Uh, and and uh, first of all, uh, when was this taking place? Yeah, so the Vider werewolf was in the 60s. Forgive me. There's so many of them. <laughs> but I, this know, is, I know. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this is one of those that... Because we have so much documentation, I'm honestly surprised it isn't talked more about in, you know, the cryptozoology community, because this is what we look for. We look for this detailed documentation. We look for these witness names and and times and all of this stuff. Yeah, it's a fascinating case. Yeah, because for for the most part, dogman sightings are usually just one off. Mm-hmm. You know, some, somebody will see one and then that's it. And it's it, it is rather unusual that you would have a flap of sightings in in, one generalized location. Yes. And again, very often we see this kind of trend where someone sees something like this, they report it to the authorities, the authorities arrive on the scene and they don't see anything. That's the end of the encounter. It's just this person's word against theirs. And in this case, you have deputy, I do remember his name, deputy Jack Reeves, who spoke to the reporter and said, yeah, no, I I saw this thing. (laughs) I chased it. it. They kind of played this game of cat and mouse where it, would show up, the deputy would get his lights on the trees, and it would retreat kind of into the underbrush. So they played this sort of back-and-forth game for, doesn't specify how long, presumably a couple of hours, and then the busingers finally fled the property. They're like, nah, that's Mm. enough. We're not not going back. And you can actually, there's a picture in the book of the property. The address is listed in the newspaper article, so unless they've renumbered the streets in the interim, um, we can actually get on Google Maps and look at the location where this occurred. And the picture that's on Google Maps is very consistent with what's described in the story. Well, that's something else that uh, uh, can be consistent when it comes to certain cryptid creature sightings is that game of cat and mouse, uh, just like you said, where whatever it is you know that they're seeing will just just be out of reach, just right there in the tree line, and then you know the police with the uh, dogs come, chase it around for a while, can't find anything, and then it shows up on the other side of town. Whether it be dog, dogman, Bigfoot, or um, the uh, uh, screaming monkey, <laughs> screaming kangaroo monkeys. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It is one of those things that we do see kind of over and over again. Another notorious case, the Hopkinsville Goblins or the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. You know, these little these little goblin-like entities played cat and mouse with these folks all day long. Um, a, a lesser known case is the Caracas Dwarves over in Venezuela. You had these guys apparently getting into physical altercations with witnesses. That's a fascinating case. So, and, and it's kind of funny because a lot of folks, like we talked about earlier, regard this phenomena as being even less plausible than Bigfoot or even less plausible than some other cryptozoological phenomena. But if we sit down and look at the history, look at the reports and the eyewitness encounters, it really does slot in with what we see in other cryptid cases. Yeah. 
We have the Venezuela case that you referred to. I mean, these things that uh, allegedly were spotted coming out of a uh, landed UFO were hairy and had claws. Yeah, like little, for our Star Wars fans, uh, the little Ewok guys, basically, with (laughs) very nondescript faces and apparently laser weapons or something that could paralyze people. That is a fascinating case. I mean, it's it's. It's a it's one I particularly love, yeah. And it took place the year before the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, which is an interesting little fact. Yeah, yeah the uh, 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 the Kelly case. I mean, that's that one's fascinating because, like what we were talking about uh, earlier, the uh, inhabitants of the house spent all night shooting at these things with no apparent damage. Yeah. Yeah, and again, we, we, we can draw lines and parallels anywhere we like. You know, human beings love to look for patterns, but what is it with these strange entities being impervious to gunfire? And is there a connection between cases like, you know, the Caracas Dwarves and the Hopkinsville Goblins and things like the Dogman? I'm sorry, I'm not the host. Maybe it's not my not my place to ask questions, but <laughs> that's... Hey, that's, listen, that's, it's <laughs> an open show. I wanted to ask you something, though. I want to just kind of just refine this discussion and that is when someone shoots at these creatures where do the bullets go are they absorbed or do they just bounce off like superman that is an excellent question that's an excellent question and speaking with john he kind of describes it in a way that it sounds like they're just sort of bouncing off sort of ricocheting or having an effect similar to the skinwalker ranch wolf where it, it you know there's some bleeding and there's some blood splatter but it doesn't seem to care it doesn't seem to notice and the follow-up question to that inevitably is okay well where's where's the blood sample where's the hair sample and i don't know <laughs> i don't have those in my possession sadly but you know that seems to kind of be the running description as far as the converse werewolf and the vider werewolf those while we do have well, for the Vider werewolf, we have a lot of details. The Converse werewolf is basically a folktale. Um, those we don't have as detailed of a description as to what the effect of the actual ballistics were on the creature, um, other than that it kept moving after it was shot. And you think here, if the shells bounced off, maybe you could take DNA readings from them to see if they came in contact with anything with the weird DNA. That's a problem I have, too. I'm going to ask you about that, which is when we see these creatures, we can't get samples of anything that is provably paranormal or something unusual. Oh, and before I forget, I want to remind everyone that Aaron will be back for the After the Paracast podcast. And that is available exclusively for members of the Paracast Plus. You can check out that and sign up at theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. We'll get into more of this, dogmen, werewolves, shapeshifters, Bigfoot, whatever, with Aaron, Gene, and Tim, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. 
That's danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. USA News Update. A suspect is on the run after shooting and killing four people in a town about 30 miles south of Atlanta early on Saturday. Authorities have identified the suspect as Andre Longmore, and they say he's in his mid-50s. Escape prisoner Michael Burham has been captured following a week-long hunt for the dangerous fugitive in Pennsylvania. Donald Trump on Saturday night was addressing supporters in West Palm Beach, Florida. Presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is under fire after suggesting COVID-19 was designed to be ethnically targeted. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is said to be doing well after being rushed to a Tel Aviv area hospital on Saturday, suffering from dehydration. Netanyahu will remain in the hospital as doctors continue doing tests on the 73-year-old. I'm Jerry Barmash, USA News. Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Most basic diseases are caused by yeast in the gut and metals in the liver, and we all have a bit of both. The garlic in Extendivite has a yeast-killing effect in the gut while also helping the sulfur enzyme in the liver get rid of the metals. Extendivite just may improve your overall health. Products like Extendivite are the only way we are going to get our society healthy. And if you're waiting for the government and pharmaceutical care to solve your health problems, you're going to have a long, disappointing wait, I think. Extendivite is a complete formula for extended life in the new millennium. 80 can be the new 60. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. screenwriter producer you're listening to paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio i want to tell you ladies and gentlemen secret here when tim speaks in those weird voices he is shape-shifting right tim (laughs) 
<laughs> all the time, Gene. All the time. Yeah, otherwise, they catch you. But that's the you thing that bothers me, Aaron, is that we don't have any DNA or any waste product from one of these creatures to prove what they are. We don't. And that, that comes up a lot when you're talking about this stuff is where's the, where's the hard evidence. And one, to play devil's advocate, one idea I have about that is, well, would we necessarily know if we're talking about dogmen or upright canines, if we get a sample of this DNA, how do we know it's going to look different from anything that we would see for another canine or another canine hybrid. And we do know in Texas, we have several animals that are mixtures of different canine breeds. There's the Galveston wolves, which are a mix of Mexican red wolf DNA and coyotes. There's the Texas terror dog, AKA the Texas chupacabra, which we do have DNA on file for those. And we know that they're a mix of, again, Mexican red wolf, coyote, and domestic dog. And if we found the remains of one of these upright walking canines in the wild, you know, decomposition happens very quickly. Scavengers and bacteria, insects, all that fun stuff, you know, will break down a body fairly rapidly in the heat. Again, we talked about the heat here in Texas. You want to talk about speeding up decomposition. So if we do have a sample of one of these things, maybe it's some fur, maybe it's some blood matter, maybe it's some waste. What is that DNA going to look like and how do we know that it's going to be something different? And that probably does not explain every case wherein we might go, well, there should be some kind of a sample on file. But there may be Dogman DNA in a database somewhere and we just have no idea because we don't know what that looks like. Well, that's the problem with DNA analysis is that if it comes out to be something, an unrecognized species, it comes out as inconclusive. There's no database to go on. Even if you were able to find, you know, say like scat or fur or something like that, if it's a completely different species, an unrecognized, currently unrecognized species, there's nothing. So it, it would be inconclusive, the, the results would be. Yeah. With that in mind, the only way to know for a fact that we had a DNA sample and to prove it, you know, we would have to be able to prove it, would be to have one of these things in a cage and to have a veterinarian do a blood draw. That's, in my mind, the only way you can say conclusively, this is what this is. Of course, unless, of course, you know, we, we found a body. Da, da, da. But again, that's, that's a whole other can of worms. So, well, One of the things that I've observed is that you have a lot of these older stories of these encounters. And, and there was the one that you had uh, referred to. I can't remember what the name of it is. You said it was, it's it's almost like folklore. Oh, the Converse. Or, Converse. The Converse case, yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so you've got the Converse case where this thing basically ate a kid. And then you have, I think, back to the Beast of, of Jovenon in France, where this thing over several years ate a number of people. Mm -hmm. Over a hundred recorded attacks. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but that's something that you're not, we, at least as far as we know, <laughs> we don't see anymore. People see these things, but you don't see those kinds of deadly encounters that you used to in the past. Yeah, and a part of that is because, you know, we have pushed and extirpated wolves from the, the vast majority of populated places where they used to live. They were once rampant all throughout Texas. They were hunted, you know, with extreme prejudice, and now we don't really see them here anymore. Same in many parts of Louisiana, the same in parts of England. You know, there, there were wolves here at one time, and rural France 
wolves were everywhere. And the Jebudong case is so fascinating because it's one of those that 300 odd years later, we're still talking about and we're still debating. And inevitably, it comes up when you're having discussions about werewolves or dogmen, even though it probably doesn't fit that profile. <laughs> one of the theories I really like that, that makes sense to me is that this could have been some kind of a hybrid or mutant creature that due to a random intersection of canine DNA, wolves, dogs, what have you, you know, it was unnaturally aggressive. It pursued human beings as a food source because there are plenty of stories about Labite, you know, foregoing easy prey in favor of human victims. You get these aberrant behaviors and these strange ghastly appearances, which are exaggerated over time and in the retelling. But ultimately, what you had is one of the theories is a canine hybrid. And that could be what we're looking at in Texas. Some of the folks I interviewed for this project were veterinary professionals, my wife being one of them. And they'll tell you that, yeah, we, we see all kinds of strange mutations and aberrations in canine DNA because it's possible for these breeds to intermix with each other. So maybe the reason we're seeing one-off specimens and we're not finding breeding populations or we're not finding, you know, a lot of remains is because these are one-offs. You know, they may not even be the same quote-unquote species. Maybe they're infertile and they can't reproduce, which is common a lot of the time when you have, you know, mutants or hybrids. I do talk about that one in the book. Again, comparisons to Labite are, are just inevitable. And that's one of the theories I like to toss around is that perhaps this was a canine hybrid thing that we've got going on. That's an important thing, too, with pet owners, that unless you really want to do breeding, you will neuter your pet, your dog, your cat. So they can't breed whatever they are. You could literally end up with a werewolf in your house if you don't. So, Well, I think of it this way. There are lots of dogs I've seen where I say, what is that breed? It may be a real peculiar mixture, and it may look in general like something familiar, but you can't tell, they can't tell, and that would be the end of that family tree because, again, it's been neutered. Yeah, yeah. Or, again, sometimes the, these animals are born infertile. They're just incapable of reproducing. So, yeah, who knows what we're going to get. The thing about it is is that these... Uh, <clears throat> These cases occur, and I know that your your book concentrates on, on Texas, but these cases occur all over the world, basically. So unless there is some kind of general mutation that is starting to arise within Canid, the Canid population worldwide, then... It's rather, you know, it's 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 rather unusual. <laughs> See, there's your movie premise. You can yeah. mix Planet of the Apes with werewolves, and yeah. that's what you get. <laughs> there we go, Gene. That's, Planet uh, of the Apes. <laughs> Planet of the Wolves. And I'm citing the, the original, the original series. No disrespect to the remakes, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the other uh, aspects of this phenomena, and and you know, I mean, I've I've been investigating cryptid creatures for more years than, than I would like to remember. And is it twelve thousand yet? Yeah, almost. It seems like, but I mean, I remember when the you know the name dog band, I mean, wasn't wasn't a thing, so. Okay, first of all, do you think that the name Dogman has come about basically because people have been loath to say, I saw a werewolf? 
Oh, that's a great question. And yes, I do think that. Uh, because going back to what we talked about earlier, witnesses are very hesitant to come forward with these stories. And also, when you're talking about the paranormal community, when you're talking about you know 14 researchers, there's a hesitancy to... In, in my opinion, just based on my perception, and I, I, I feel this myself, there's a hesitancy to draw too many parallels to works of fiction because mm-hmm. that casts your research in, in a different light. So if you're saying you've seen something that's you know independent of pop culture that, that isn't necessarily described anywhere else, oh, well, it's a, it's a humanoid canine, we're going to call it dog man, I do think that plays a role, absolutely, because there is a need to differentiate between – paranormal research and works of fiction um that being said i'm partial to the term werewolf because one that's what the witnesses are describing and two if you go to you know the germanic roots of the term werewolf it literally means wolf man or wolf person or dog person so me personally i like to use those terms interchangeably but i do understand the need to differentiate i do understand why we have different terms and why there is a hesitancy on the part of some people to adapt the term werewolf when we're talking about cryptozoological study. Yeah. We got more with Aaron, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Remember what you were doing four years ago at this very moment and how much everything changed a year later. We don't live just anywhere. We live on a crowded island with daily news headlines that make our ancestors spin in their graves. And we all know that tougher days lie ahead. So the real question is... 
Do you have a proper supply of emergency food on hand? If not, now's the time to get some, while things are still relatively calm. The company most Americans choose is My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to get yourself a one-week supply of emergency food. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious meals you'll love. No skimping with these meals, as you'll get 2,000 calories per day. You'll like the special $30 savings available this week only on this one-week supply of emergency food, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, i become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exploring strange creatures as opposed to strange aircraft. Tim, you were about to ask a question. Quite a while back, all right, people were reporting seeing Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and a lot of times describe them as having, rather than a human face, having a muzzle, almost like a uh, um, like a baboon type of, of face. And I've often wondered from these early cases if these weren't descriptions of of Dogman. But of course, at that point, people weren't talking about Dogman. So, you know, you see a big hairy thing in the woods. And even though it's got a muzzle, you're going to describe it as Bigfoot. Yes. And that's that's an important question. And there are two schools of thought on that. One is that, you know, people were misidentifying Dogman sightings for a long time because we had no context, because we had no frame of reference for it. And again, I, I saw a werewolf sounds literally insane. But then the other school of thought is that what we're seeing are misidentified Sasquatch sightings and that these more canine looking uh, breeds, if you like, more closely resemble baboons. Because admittedly, some of the descriptions we get for dogman encounters say, yeah, it looked kind of like a baboon. So it's easy to kind of take that and go, oh, well, we have a subspecies of Sasquatch that looks like a baboon. Baboons are primates. Sasquatch is probably a primate. Put a pin in it and move on. I think in some cases there is the possibility for that. But again, if you talk to people like Jody Cook, who have been looking into this Dogman stuff for ages, you know, they'll tell you, we need to go back and look at some of these older Sasquatch encounters, and we need to cross-reference them with what we can say are fairly implicitly 
dogman encounters because there's probably a lot of data that we don't have yet you know so it two schools of thought and as a writer i get to take the coward's way out and uh <laughs> in the book there's actually a chapter called the sasquatch connection where we talk about that exact thing is you know okay well what's the likelihood that these are just misidentified sasquatch sightings but the risk we run there in my opinion is trying to explain away one thing that we don't understand with something else that we don't understand because technically scientifically we don't know what the heck a sasquatch is we don't know what it does what it eats where it sleeps we don't know if it even exists in our dimensional plane you know so it doesn't work for me to say okay yeah this is probably just a sasquatch sighting because i can't i can't define sasquatch so you know but that's the annoying thing about cryptid creatures is that you know you go and and look into it i mean there's there's a there, there's a plethora of different things. I mean, you know, you got the squat, you know, Sasquatch, you got the dog man, you've got the 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 uh, um, um, giant kangaroos of, of Kentucky and Tennessee. You've uh, um, uh, like the weird uh, weird winged weirdos, like the Mothman. And there's even been cases of of um, werewolves seen with wings. So, you know, it's it's almost at times like we're at an interdimensional dumping ground <laughs> of, of weird cryptid creatures. Yeah, and I, and I think that's one of those things that contributes to the idea that all of these phenomena are connected. You know, like how how likely is it that we have this many unidentified humanoid creatures lurking you know in the swamps and in the woods of the world like how likely is that i can't give you a statistical analysis other than to say that the world is a much bigger place than we can ever possibly i think perceive as human beings like planet earth is huge there's a lot of stuff here um but yeah like if it's not likely statistically that these things are animals we haven't found yet, what are they? Where are they coming from? What are their motivations? Is there something like the super spectrum that's projecting them into our reality? You know, it's, oh gosh, I can spend days there. I was watching um film that you uh, did with uh, Seth Breedlove, and um, I'm interested on your take of of native american ideas of 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 what you're dealing with with these things and um uh, uh if they even would be willing to talk about it because a lot of times it's considered you know taboo that even by talking about it can can invite not good things into your life <laughs> Yeah, and that's another thing that inevitably comes up when you're talking about this stuff because, you know, nowadays we talk more about the skinwalker and that's kind of in the pop culture zeitgeist. It's in the paranormal community. It's something we talk about, but, you know, it's accepted that that's not something that persons of native descent are eager to, you know, let folks from outside the tribe in on because it is an important part of their cultural history. It's not something for mass consumption. So inevitably that does come up. And with some of these older folk tales, like uh, the Bear King of Marble Falls, it's alleged that Native American peoples that lived in the Marble Falls region before the European settlers showed up were aware of this, you know, strange creature. Um, the problem, you know, is when we start looking for details, like, okay, where is that recorded? What tribe? What 
what's the source of information here? Like, you know, it's entirely plausible that we had Native American peoples that told this story and it, you know, was recorded by white settlers and that's why we know about it today. But I think we have to be careful to say, okay, well, yeah, this is a Native American legend if we don't know that unequivocally. Um, and that was kind of the approach I took throughout most of the book. And then, you know, I met a guy named Nick out of uh, Medina, the Medina Lake area, which is very thick with sightings of these things. And he's of Apache descent. He's a fifth-generation Texan. And, you know, he told me straight up, we know about these things. This is something my grandfather talked about. This is something my father had a sighting of in the 60s. You know, it's it's known that these things are out there. So, um, say actually same with the witness I spoke to in San Antonio a couple weeks ago. She's also of Native American descent and said, yeah, I believe that these things are real. So the witnesses I've talked to and the research I've done correlates that, yes, these things are a part of the Native American folklore in Texas. But again, I'm, I'm hesitant, always hesitant to lay that down as a fact because we got to check our sources, you know. I get the impression when I listen to this is that lots and lots of people in these areas have sightings of something strange or know of someone who has had a sighting, a friend or a family member. But unless you ask them, they're not going to tell you. I think about something that would happen often when the late Stan Friedman, the UFO guy, was doing lectures. And he explained this. I've seen him do it. Where he'd ask people, how many have seen a UFO? And a certain number of people raised their hands. Now, this next question how many of you have reported seeing a UFO and most of those hands will go down? So it's the same thing. Absolutely. Unequivocally. You know, once, once the question is asked, once, you know, you let someone know that you have an interest in their story, it's naturally going to be easier to share that and to come forward. And some of the witnesses I've talked to, you know, they said, I don't know why you're interested in this. I don't know why you want to talk about this stuff. Um, and so we would explain, especially during the course of filming the documentary that, well, you know, we want your story to be told the way you want it to be told, because right now all that's out there is the rumors and the, the headlines, you know, if there were any headlines. So when you express that interest and you let people know, hey, you're, you're not the only one who's seen something like this, you're not crazy. And if you are crazy, a lot of us are crazy the same way, you know, a lot of other people are imagining the same thing. And that's something I've been super excited to see happen since the book and the film came out is people like the lady in San Antonio have approached me and said, hey, actually, you know, I have a story about one of these things as well. I just didn't think anyone was interested. So. The thing I worry about, of course, is that once someone sees something, they might want to get in on the action. So they report something. Or they had an experience, but it's colored on the basis of what they see. Oh, then maybe it was that, maybe not this other thing I remember. Yeah, there is some danger to that. You have to look at outside influences and what people are perceiving, especially you know with pop culture. Some of the data that I put in the book is, okay, well, how many werewolf movies were released <laughs> during this decade that this sighting is reported? Not in every single case, because that would have been repetitious and become boring, but there are a couple cases where I'm like, you know, there were... 22 werewolf movies released this year. How likely is it that this lady would have seen all of them before she called what she saw a werewolf? So, yeah, context and, and what we already know about is an important thing. Um, and since now the Texas Dogman Triangle is out there and people are talking about it, you know, that's an awesome thing and I'm so excited about it. But 
inevitably you do have people that are like, oh, I want to jump on this bandwagon. I want to be a part of this. But, you know, we've had that problem in the Bigfoot community for years. We've had that problem in the UFO community for years. And I think in general, we're getting better. I'm using the term we very loosely. I think we're getting better at, at kind of filtering that stuff down and going, okay, this seems like a credible witness. This does not seem like a credible witness. So, you know, it's impossible to do that every single time unless you know the witness personally. We're going to have more with Aaron and Gene and Tim, more about strange creatures. Does that sound strange enough? You're in. Hepaticast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part, has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Strange Creatures on the Agenda with Aaron Deese. And of course, he's written a book and there's a movie about all this stuff. So this is where you can explore all the things that he's done. All right. The Texas Dogman Triangle is the book, by the way. Then there's a movie that's available on YouTube, The Dogman Triangle, and then something called Tubi TV, which I've dimly heard about. What is Tubi TV? Except it's, to be it's, a TV. 
that may be where they got the name. My understanding is that it is a streaming service that is ad-supported. So you can watch it on Tubi with ads. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon Video in standard or high def for rent or purchase. If you'd like a Blu-ray or DVD, that is shop.smalltownmonsters.com. See? We don't even send the bill for that. <laughs> Do you have a plan after this where to do more work on the subject so you have this movie you have this book is there going to be a sequel or do you jump into another subject yeah so there are no official plans for a sequel um i do have a folder on my desktop titled texas dogman triangle two space question mark um and that's where you know anything i've picked up or come across since the book came out everything's going in that folder so and that's kind of how the first book started just putting everything in one place and seeing how it comes together so we'll, we'll go from there uh, but no official plans the hey strangeness podcast is my personal project that is still ongoing um, we actually do have a membership program now which i won't spend a bunch of time talking about but that's where a lot of my research notes and uh, detailed information is going just because i haven't found another appropriate place to share it um, so that's that's going on. And then I post updates very regularly on our Instagram, which is just hey underscore strangeness. Um, and that I like to use as kind of an update, sort of a, a stock ticker, if you will, <laughs> of whatever is going on or whatever we're working on currently. Um, regarding the dogman phenomena, I am looking at other states um, in the process of contacting witnesses outside the Texas area. And that is going to be an ongoing project. But again, nothing nothing that's, you know, materialized in the physical world yet. <laughs> Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Good to hear all the stuff that you're doing there. Keep yourself busy. Speaking of Instagram, are you also going to put up an account on the sister or brother service threads? You know, I don't know. I, I don't like Twitter. Um, I was not a Twitter fan. I, I don't like Reddit. You know, it's just too much, too much feedback all at once. Same with TikTok, just too much noise. So I don't know if I want to add another social platform to my daily routine. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, if enough of the community moves over there and there's, you know, viable conversation happening, then yeah, I'll show up. But I'll, I'll probably be a late adopter, man, because I just I have a hard enough time keeping up with Instagram. <laughs> I do very little Instagram, but I did set up an account with threads, mostly because it's similar to Twitter. That's the point of it. What's interesting, though, is that in a few days, they bring this out, and suddenly it is, what, a high percentage of what Twitter is after, you know, 12,000 years. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's one of those environments where things move so quickly, you know, and that's the world we live in. You know, the world moves at the speed of information. I totally get that, but it's just, I'll try to keep up with the thread even just as a spectator, you know, not, not commenting on it. And it's overwhelming. I I get to where I just don't want to do it. So that's probably where I'm at with threads. (laughs) What do your friends think of you? Are you the crazy guy who chases after Wolfman? Yes, I have for the last two years been saying very loudly um, in pretty much any environment where I I could do so that werewolves are real. Um, And my friends and coworkers were aware of my interest in this stuff because I talked about it all the time. Uh, They knew that I had the podcast. So, you know, it it wasn't a secret when I started, you know, when I could finally share that. Yeah, I got a book deal and all this stuff. Um, But it is. And no one was ever like critical or, or like, okay, whatever, you're you're an idiot for spending time on this. But there is that feeling of like, look, guys. No, look, 
look, this is a thing, you know, now that the book and the movie is out, <laughs> it's kind of, it's validating to be like, no, all those times I said werewolves are real. May- maybe I was right. I don't know. There's a movie now. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm very vocal about it. I carry business cards to every family function. Um, I haven't been asked not to yet. So continue doing that for the time being. Sam. Did you run across, have you run across any cases where you know that it would be a good, it would be so good if you could just, you know, get the person to talk, but the person just refuses to say anything about their experience? I have been fortunate in that the witnesses who have been you know, sent my way or who I've encountered have been willing to talk. Um, and usually that's because they had spoken to one of my colleagues or you know, shared something online. So that initial barrier was broken. Um, there was a case where I very, very much wanted to visit this location. Um, and it was we were hoping to have it in the documentary to actually go and do field research and look at some of these strange footprints and claw marks that he was sending me pictures of. Um, but the gentleman was concerned with safety, um, whether that was safety from people sneaking onto his property at night once the location got out, you know, because that's a thing we have to worry about, uh, or whether it's safety from having an encounter with one of these wolf creatures, you know, I got the impression that it was a little bit of both. Uh, but unfortunately, we just weren't able to go out there. But no, sorry to answer your question, I, I was I was fortunate. No, everyone I spoke to was willing to share their story and, and seemed relieved that they had a place to share it, that it was going to be contrasted with similar encounters. Yeah. It makes you wonder, though, um, very much like uh, uh, UFO sightings, is what Gene was uh, referring to earlier. How many cases are out there that nobody will ever learn about because the witness is reluctant to say anything? That's such a good point, and that's one of the things that I'm hoping this this you know book and this movie will do is that again point out to people you're not the only person that's seen something like this. Um, there is more out there. And again, not all the dogman sightings in Texas are inside this triangle. And maybe at one point, you know, if we're lucky, the triangle is not going to make sense anymore. We're going to get so much reported activity that we're going to need an octagon or a rhombus or another weird shape. You know, <laughs> we don't have to keep this triangle. This is just to, to get the idea out there to get people talking about it. So, you know, hopefully that's what happens. That's very much my hope. Um, in a fun twist on that, all of the stories that I've had relayed to me since the publication of the book, which we're, I'm up to through four at this point, um, are inside the Dogman Triangle. They are adjacent to some of these other sightings. So what that means, I couldn't begin, couldn't begin to tell you. Do you think that uh, a lot of these sightings within the triangle are taking place because they tend they tend to center around larger population areas? I do think there's something to that, and that's another thing you can kind of apply to other paranormal inquiries or areas of paranormal research is that, well, yeah, these things are being seen in these areas because there are people there to see them. What's interesting about them is that they're not necessarily taking place in these urban areas as they are so much adjacent to them. When we profile the locations where they're actually happening, they're rural, undeveloped stretches. Uh, national parks and private ranch lands seem to come up a lot. Uh, they're near water sources. They're near woods and trees. So, uh, heavy populations of white-tailed deer, which we have all over the state, you know, everywhere. Um so while they are clustered around urban areas where there are a lot of people, they seem to be taking place in these outlying towns where there aren't as many people. 
So we could, you know, speculate that, well, these towns are in these places in some cases because of these larger cities. Big cities inevitably breed smaller communities around them, and that's why they're being seen here. But because they're taking place in these isolated rural areas, I'm hopeful that we start to get more data from more places like that in Texas, be they inside or outside the triangle. You know, this is a huge state, 268,000 some odd square miles. You're talking about vast stretches of land where in some places people have never walked, you know, probably for hundreds of years. So it's a it's a again, another deep rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, speaking of that rabbit hole, you explain very much there why. There could be unknown creatures walking about or lumbering about, whatever it is, and we won't see them because there are so many areas on the surface of this planet we've yet to explore. Aaron, Gene, Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Honorary Forest Ranger Betty White here, lending a hand to my dear friend Smokey Bear. Because for 75 years, he's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But there's a lot more to say. Like, if you park your car on tall, dry grass, the hot exhaust pipe can start a wildfire. So be careful out there. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I mean, even in areas that are explored, things can happen. I remember my first wife and I lived in Tuscumbia, Alabama. And I don't know if you ever heard of the place. It's kind of like northwest Alabama. But it's near Muscle Shoals, next town over. Muscle Shoals, where they made all those famous blues and rock music at these Muscle Shoals Sound Studios. In any case, so the radio station I was working at was on a country road, two-lane country road, paved. And one night we drove there just to kind of get away from the house. And... After a few minutes, I was frightened as you know what. And I couldn't wait to find a place to make a U-turn and get out of there. Never explained it. It never happened again. Now, I have to say the manager at the radio station was a pretty frightening guy (laughs) for other reasons. He was the kind of guy who I thought if he didn't like the way I presented a commercial, he would take out the gun. He was that kind of person. I thought he had the guns. I never saw the guns. But I thought he had it. But it was also strange that his co-owner, who remained friends of ours for many years, was a minister. So put that combination together. So I just think there are lots of places around the world that are not explored at all ever or seldom explored where creatures can be living and we'll never know except for an occasional sighting. It kind of makes sense, though I'd like to see some evidence. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's that's kind of where we run into the difficult part of this is where is the physical evidence? Um, and there's rumors that we have these things on video and that, oh, the government knows about it and it's a cover up, which, again, takes you down a whole another line of speculation because you're like, oh, well, if it is a, a cover up, if it is a conspiracy, would we know about it? So it's it's so it's become so circular. You kind of end up chasing your tail on some of it. Well, when it comes to what the government knows, we think in terms of UFOs. 
The government knows the truth. They know that E.T. is here. But they won't tell us unless we say it the right way, or we beg, or we get congressional hearings which have no value. Even the current UFO, UAP program, nothing's come out of it except to say, well, there's no evidence that UFOs have an off-world origin. We don't have any crashed spaceships. They've been saying that for 60 years or 70 years, so there's no difference, nothing new. But here's the problem in this day and age. Now, back in 1947, when we first started seeing UFOs, if the government says something, we kind of sort of believe it, except about UFOs because they're keeping it a big, dark secret, okay? Or the JFK assassination, they're keeping a deep, dark secret. 9-11, some people believe that. Okay, so we believe the government except when we disbelieve them about certain conspiracies. And now if tomorrow the president of the United States, and currently it's a guy named Biden, comes up there and goes on TV and says, fellow Americans, here's the truth about UAPs in so many words, and it's extraterrestrials. Comes on there and says it, prime time address. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is half the population will say, this old demented guy is not even president. Right? That's half the population. Others might believe it, but then others who don't believe anything the government says are going to disbelieve because how could you say at one point the government lies to you and if they tell you something, why should you believe them? Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I, I don't examine the government conspiracy angle too much because it is it, it, it spirals. It just keeps going and going and going. And uh, we are reaching a point where the government is disclosing more about paranormal phenomena, particularly UFOs and UAPs. I don't expect to have a congressional hearing on werewolves anytime soon. So <laughs> as far as credibility and people accepting it as a phenomena, you know, I think it takes first that vested interest of wanting to understand. And then it takes looking at the research and looking at the, the records and the eyewitness encounters to get an idea of what the spectrum of this phenomena looks like. Yeah. I think the long and short is don't expect anybody's government to say anything, unless there is some political advantage. Like, for example, if Putin knew the truth about UFOs and he wants to gain one-upsmanship in the world, he'd say something, possibly, as a military advantage. Well, we've got a crash UFO, we're reverse engineering it, give up Ukraine or something like that. China might do the same thing. Well, we'll sell it to you. We'll sell you the technology we've reverse engineered from UFOs. Give us enough money and we get the intellectual property rights. Iran, I don't know. But you see the point. If there is a political advantage, someone may take it. But a, shall we say, mainstream country like the U.S., U.K., whatever, they're not going to say anything unless they have to be dragged kicking or screaming or there's some immediate reason, a threat, whatever, that they have to say something. Yeah, and that's I think that's what we're looking at right now with the UFO stuff is that all these documents are coming out, this evidence is coming to light. You've got, you know, the David Gersh stuff that's just been going on for the last few weeks here. So you really do kind of have this this situation where they can start disclosing things and getting out in front of some stuff or God knows what else is going to come to light and it's going to be like, okay, what are you going to do now? So, yeah, well, don't know if we're ever going to get there with the dogman stuff, but <laughs> we'll see. Well, you see, things like strange creatures are more extreme. 
ghosts, strange creatures. But you think UFOs, okay, there are other planets out there. Some might have life. It makes sense, whether you believe it or not, that some may want to pay us a visit. Purely logical, and it's within the realm of scientific truth. Therefore, they could say it and you would accept it. Or they would consider it and you would accept it, except when you disbelieve the government. When it comes to things like dogmen, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, whatever it is, that's way out of their radar. That's not a national threat, unless you have a million dogmen attacking us. Like the movie script, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. Like It's not something that is really of public interest. It's not something that poses a threat or is going to disrupt the economy if it turns out werewolves are real. So why, why even go there? Yeah. Well, of course, we want to hunt them and kill them. How much money can we get for a dead werewolf? I mean, that sounds that's kind of grisly, but you know that's something that will happen. I mean, rare animals are being shot down now to get their skins or to put up their heads on a stick or something, whatever it is. We do that now. So if there's a werewolf that we can get a hold of, some people will get their rifles out there or their AR-15s or whatever. Yeah, if we can monetize it, that's a whole another story. <laughs> yeah. So we will sell werewolves as slaves or as pets. Okay? I mean, you have a lot of weird pets out there. I think a rattlesnake's a pretty weird pet now. Rattlesnake lovers will think I'm crazy. But, you know, I go for the dogs and the cats and the pet fish and the birds and things like that, especially dogs. I'm a big dog kind of person, as our listeners know. I don't become a dog. Let's just, you know, separate that. But I don't know about pet werewolves and things. We've got more to come. This is getting crazy. With Aaron, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. USA News Update. This week, the number of unaccompanied illegal immigrant children apprehended or placed into U.S. Customs and Border Protection custody went up from 194 to 348, a rise of 79 percent in just days. 
So far this year, CBP has had just over 91,000 encounters with unaccompanied minors at the southern border. A brutal heat wave is continuing to affect millions of Americans from the West Coast to the Gulf Coast. The National Weather Service issuing heat warnings and advisories for at least 80 million people over the weekend. All eyes are on Death Valley, California, where Sunday's forecasted high could top 130 degrees. President Biden has nothing on his public schedule for today. The president and first lady spending the weekend at Camp David. Tim Berg, USA News. Remember what you were doing four years ago at this very moment and how much everything changed a year later. We don't live just anywhere. We live on a crowded island with daily news headlines that make our ancestors spin in their graves. And we all know that tougher days lie ahead. So the real question is, do you have a proper supply of emergency food on hand? If not, now's the time to get some, while things are still relatively calm. The company most Americans choose is My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to get yourself a one-week supply of emergency food. It comes in a nifty ammo can that's loaded with delicious meals you'll love. No skimping with these meals, as you'll get 2,000 calories per day. You'll like the special $30 savings available this week only on this one-week supply of emergency food, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com you don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Hi, this is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. But certainly what you said earlier, Aaron Deese, about exploiting something, that will certainly be done. It's not just like writing a book or doing a documentary you have to be paid for your work. It is, if we get a hold of who and what they are, we find a way to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, something we see all throughout the paranormal world. We have people who will make up a story to jump on a bandwagon and sell a book or (laughs) be featured on TV. So, again, the Dogman phenomena is, I guess you could call it burgeoning. I don't know if we've quite reached that point with it, but there is that potential. There is that danger. Now, in doing your show, do you just talk about things or bring on guests or what? 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of a variety. We do research-intensive episodes, which are myself and Sarah picking apart a topic and, you know, looking at the historical background, the, the plausibility, just kind of a general inquiry into whatever the topic is. And we try to keep it light and loose. You know, we try to have fun with it and not take ourselves too seriously. Uh, but then we do interview shows that I file under what I like to call strange conversations, where we'll bring a guest on and actually get into either a particular topic or depending on who that person is, if they're another creator or artist, We'll talk about their work and their background and their influences. So it's it's kind of a 50-50 uh, research show, 50-50 uh, interview show. And then we'll have episodes that bleed over and kind of intermix those two ideas, sort of depending on the format. So, um, yeah. I assume available on podcasts and all the usual channels. Yes. Hey, Strangeness is on all those podcast platforms, except that one that went away recently or is going away whatever the deal with that is but yeah spotify apple and all that all that fun stuff the one that's going away is stitcher okay yes that one's going away yes. as of august that's the one of 2023 but they apparently they're owned by sirius xm which also owns pandora so the suggestion obviously if you're want to leave stitcher go to pandora i understand they have boxes for nuts but that's not right. <laughs> uh, you see? Well, okay, we're getting you know, very punny a... here. We're getting very punny here. We've got to stop it because we're exploring weird, weird subjects. What would you do, Aaron, if you and your wife ran into a creature? I like to think I would, you know, document it uh, as well as possible, either take out the camera or the notebook, whichever I have on hand. Um, I like to think I would be calm and collected and... Uh, you know, give a give a detailed report of what I saw. But I'm also a person, so there's a fair chance that I would just panic and lock up and, and you know, not be able to do anything like some of these witnesses described. So probably have to be there, you know, before I'd know. So it's possible after reporting all this that you would go in the other direction when you see it, especially if it's oh, yeah. menacing. And, of course, it has to be considered dangerous if you could shoot it. I don't know if you have any weapons or not. But as you said, being from Texas, you were born with one. It just kind of comes out of your hand. It grows out of your hand, right? That's a horror film. Imagine if you're born and out of your hand comes a, a 45. I'm sure Video there drum. is a horror movie about that. Yeah, there we go. Video drum. Video yeah. drum, right? Attack of the Killer 45s. You know, it's like an insect movie. Or more like the replicators, the characters in Stargate SG-1 where they're these little mechanisms that reproduce themselves and have spidery kind of legs made in metal. Do any of you remember the replicators on Stargate SG-1? Aaron, Tim? Was never a huge Stargate fan, unfortunately. Yeah, but Stargate's such an elegant way to travel. You walk into this watery mist and you're in another galaxy. Well, maybe I that's mean, how the dogmen are getting here. What'd you say? I said maybe that's how the dogmen are getting here. Well, you think about traveling anywhere, like one of our listeners lives in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I am near Phoenix, Arizona. It's about a 15-hour plane trip. And that's if you get a schedule that's pretty, pretty short. 15 hours. Now, imagine going into the Stargate and now you're in Belfast or Honolulu or Saturn or something. I mean, it's great. 
but not to anybody else. You see that? <laughs> crickets. As soon as I mentioned Stargates, crickets. The other day I got to see them again. They're on Amazon Prime, all the episodes, because Amazon bought out MGM, which is the studio that produced Stargate, the original movie, and Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe, all that stuff. And so every so often I watch some of the episodes. It's a lot of fun. But you two don't care about that. But wouldn't you like an instantaneous way to transport yourself from one planet to another? I absolutely would. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was just kind of picking this apart and thinking about it. But, you know, one of the theories is that these dogman creatures could be interdimensional, spectral things that are jumping through portals, you know, like some people theorize about Sasquatch. So maybe they're, maybe they're Stargates. Hey, I don't know. Can't rule it out. Think about this guy, the whistleblower from the Pentagon, David Grush. Now, he's talking about interdimensional UFOs and such. Yeah, he's he's bringing to light or talking about a whole plethora of stuff that if even one of these things is true, you know, it changes it changes the great majority of what we know about reality. So I think it's going to be I think for a few years we're going to be trying to figure out what's going on there. We'll see, you know, what hearings come as a result of it or what other documents are made public, but man, that's that's a whole thing. I actually got an interview scheduled with a, a panel to pick that apart because it's just too much for me on my own. Like, that's a big one. Well, we're going to have Kevin D. Randall on the Powercast probably before the end of July. Is that right, Tim? Uh, let's see. Early August. Oh, early August. That is awesome. Okay. I have several of his books. That is awesome. Well, Kevin is somebody I've known for a thousand years, and he's always good, very outspoken. And he doesn't believe this whistleblower much at all because he points out that through the history of the UFO field, there have been many, many so-called whistleblowers. I mean, some are those in connection with the Roswell case where a number were apparently telling the truth, consistent stories. Others were apparently just making it up. Then we have the case of Bob Lazar. And I think that guy might have had something happen, but I also think... The guy may have just been a faker who had some low-level job at Area 51 and decided to use it to parlay himself into a career. I don't know. I know George Knapp, who's a Las Vegas broadcaster, has been very favorably impressed by him. But I don't know. We try to get Bob Lazar on the show, but he doesn't do interviews anymore. In fact, I, Tim might know this. I actually had one listener who said to me he'd pay me a lot of money, and I won't mention the amount because I don't believe it, if we got uh, Lazar on the show. And I said, I'll tell you what, let's split the difference and you get him on the show and we'll take him. <laughs> I think he ran away after that. But That seems uh, very reasonable. Yeah, It does, yeah. yeah. Right, well, I would do that. He said what I should do is offer to pay Lazar money. But we don't pay people to be on the show at all. So if you thought that we were going to get a check, Aaron, you're on the wrong show. But seriously speaking, oh, no. No. <laughs> we don't pay people to be on a show like this, as you don't either. We give them a chance to publicize whatever they do because we're happy to have them on. Those who are really, really good guests deserve to be able to sell a few books because you don't do this without getting paid unless you have a lot of other money. I mean, you're going to work two years of your life 
write a book and there's no check for your efforts? I mean, you expect the doctor to be paid when he treats you. You expect a scientist to be paid when he invents something new. If you write a book about UFOs, you have to be paid. That's where it is. Aaron Deese, Tim Swartz, Gene Steinberg, cryptids, dogmen, werewolves, lots more to come. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. 
Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. Shopsupertea.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. So Aaron Deese is with us talking about the weird world of the paranormal. And this is the final segment of the main show. He will be back for the After the Paracast podcast, available to subscribers of the Paracast Plus at the Paracast dot plus. Okay, let's continue, Aaron. After all this, all these possibilities, looking at strange creatures, we assume based on what you say, you think all this phenomenon is related to even UFOs? I think it's a possibility. I do state in the documentary, and I'm st- I still believe this, that there is more than one thing going on here. Too many of these stories have very striking things in common, such as the response of the witness, you know, or the appearance of the creature itself, that, you know, they're very similar to each other. So we talk about them in the same category, but then they sometimes branch off where it seems to be more like an animal or it seems to be more spiritual or spectral. So I do think that there is more than one thing at play here, whether it's, you know, ghosts and demons or extra dimensional beings, which, you know, we don't know what those things are. Same with Bigfoot. We can't classify those. It's such a difficult question, but I don't think it's just a dog or just a UFO thing. I think there's more than one thing in the mix. I remember this scene in Ghostbusters where I think it was Bill Murray who said it, where the Sigourney Weaver character becomes this dog-like statue and he makes this comment, okay, she's a dog. (laughs) As only Bill Murray can say that. Yeah, Bill Murray's just got that classic delivery. It's different when he says things. Well, I was also hearing an interview with a guy who wrote the Ghostbusters song, who you're going to call Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr., who, by the way, is an amazing guitarist and a really top session musician. So he said he had to basically write this song in two days, the theme for Ghostbusters, okay? And the problem is the producer or director says to him, you've got to include the word Ghostbusters in the song. But Ghostbusters doesn't rhyme with anything. How do you put that word Ghostbusters in song lyrics? And he says, finally, one night, he's seen this commercial for one of these products like a legal firm, call whatever, to deal with your accident claims or something like that. And he thought, ah, who are you going to call? Because he saw the film and there's that segment there where 
they're doing a TV commercial. Who are you going to call? And then the chorus says Ghostbusters. This way it doesn't have to rhyme with anything. And the result is one of the most iconic songs of perhaps all time. Yeah. As I said, I was really surprised to know so much about this guy because he's done a lot of interviews. And as I said, he's an amazing guitarist. He's been a session musician since he was a teenager. And, you know, being a singer-songwriter, too, is, is a plus. But it's interesting to see the background. He also seems like a really nice guy, that he bought a house for his parents with the money he made from being a musician. But his father couldn't even believe it because he didn't think that anybody could make money from being a musician. He was a, a working-class guy from Detroit. I think he might have worked for one of the automakers, whatever. And it took a while before they would sell their own home and accept that the new home that their rich musician's son bought for them. It shows also that he's a pretty nice guy. Aaron, by the way, is a pretty nice guy, too, but he doesn't have enough money to buy people houses. No, I don't. Not yet. We'll see. <laughs> if these books take off, maybe the movie version. Or, or a big producer will take your movie and give it major distribution. You never of course, know. then they'll take 98% for themselves. Hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's one of the things here. Okay, we're getting to reality here. Possibly interdimensional or something like that. Possibly UFOs. So when we look at UFOs, we don't think in terms of other planets or Alpha Centauri or something. We think of the 19th dimension or something. Man, that's one of those questions that it just, it kind of depends on the case you look at and, you know, what your perspective on this stuff is. Because are UFOs from other planets? Are they secret bases here on Earth? You know, I just, I don't know. It's easy for us to think, okay, these things come from other planets. That makes sense to us. We can see outer space. We know there are planets out there. But, you know, we don't know enough about other dimensions or other timelines to say whether or not these things could be something more more exotic even more exotic than coming from other planets so man that's one of those things that keeps me up at night i was thinking a crazy pop culture reference about this ufos from other dimensions and if you meet a spaceman how do you get rid of him you get him to say his name backwards now i gathered neither aaron nor tim know the reference tim you might character in the superman comics Mr. Yep. Mixes Pitalik. Yep. Yeah, you got me that, that one. <laughs> the M from the Fifth Dimension, who comes here and does mischief, and the way to get rid of him is to convince him to read or say his name backwards. I'm remembering that from the Superman cartoons now when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. It could be it. That's it. And he was also depicted in the Supergirl TV show with two different actors playing him, and also in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, that character. So that was always a lot of fun there. Now, it's a lot of fun to speculate and continue to speculate about the reality of UFOs and cryptids and strange creatures. In this Texas triangle you've depicted, and we don't have a lot of time left, a lot of UFOs around there too? 
Yeah, Texas is saturated in UFO sightings. And one of the things I wanted to do for the book that I just didn't have the time, you know, before publication to do was to sit down and cross-reference the areas where these sightings are taking place with UFO activity. But there's a lot. There's a lot. There's high-profile cases from, you know, kind of the same with Dogman. Going back several decades, you've got modern stuff. I've had local folks in San Antonio send me videos of strange things they caught in the sky. So, yeah, all over the state. I remember a sighting probably... 15 years ago or something like that in Texas near the Bush property. Do you remember that? That's not one I'm familiar with. No, no. So maybe what we'll do is I'll look it up, but we'll talk about it on the After the Paracast podcast. How about that? Okay. Ooh, that sounds yeah, fun. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you see what's going to happen here. Gives people want to tune in and join that and continue the discussion. Had a lot of fun today talking with our guest, Aaron Deese, and he's got a lot to tell us about, and we'll have him on in the future again as he continues his research, because he's a young guy, so he's got many years to keep going. In fact, we can, you know, your son may be a paranormal investigator someday, you never know. So, Aaron, if listeners want to know more about the things that you're working on, the things you've done, where do they go? Yeah, so uh, my main website is heystrangeness.com. You can follow me on Instagram under the same name, hey underscore strangeness. Um, and, of course, the Dogman Triangle, the film, and the book are both uh, being published by Small Town Monsters. So keep an eye on Small Town Monsters anywhere they do anything because it's all awesome stuff. But, yeah, yeah, you can find me. You can find me there fairly easily. And, by the way, the sighting occurred in Stephenville, Texas in 2008. Okay, that sounds a little more familiar. I'm not super versed on it, but I have seen Stephenville. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be one to get into. We've got some work for him to look it up. He'll have it in his next book. You never know. By the way, you can find us now on Threads. We are the Paracast on Threads and Instagram, but we haven't used it a lot yet, but we'll get into it. And they won't throw us off like they might throw us off Twitter because I keep saying nasty things about Elon Musk. Like his Tesla Model 3, which I took a ride in when I was going by Uber to a hospital for some treatment, has the worst rear seat the Tesla Model 3 I've ever been in, and it's very uncomfortable. So Elon Musk is now going to throw the Paracast away from Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, a Paracast fan club and a Paracast group. We offer branded merchandise at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop. And if you want a special version of this show without the ads and everything like that, sign up for the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus. We also feature the After the Paracast podcast where we have extended interviews and surprises. Aaron Deese is going to be back on that one. For more information, go to theparacast.plus. Special deal. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20. You get a 20% discount on five-year and lifetime memberships the Paracast.plus. Aaron Deese, thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Tim, Gene, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. I appreciate you having me. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>